and welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. I'm Dustin Nation, and in this episode, we'll be talking about SC Dallas's nil-nil opening day draw with Colorado, covering some news and previewing the next match against San Jose, maybe even a little tidbit about the North Texas SC opening weekend. Uh, but here with me tonight is our man in the stands, Jonathan Rose Mercenary Shack. How's it going, Jonathan? Hey. Hey. It's going well, Dustin. I was actually, I wasn't sure if you're going to show up. I actually practiced the open a couple of times because you're, uh, I figure you're going to big time us now that you're an FCD radio uh, voice. So I was, I, was happy, <laughs> I was happy to see you at least show up. You know, you made my day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how many folks actually listened to me uh, struggle through that thing, but um, it was, it was certainly a good experience. Glad, glad to uh, be back in the press box. And, and I was glad not to have to do the opening. So I, I'm, I'm glad you're here, Dustin. <laughs> How did you mispronounce your own name? I, well, I, I was going to skip that part. I was just going to say, this is Jonathan Ross. I, I don't even try my whole last name. <laughs> Man, you uh, you might, might be wiser than I am. Uh, well, th- th- this is not a might. There's not a might be in there. <laughs> and uh, joining us is our regular contribute doctor, Nico Mendez. How's it going, Nico? Doing pretty good. Just checking out the stock market, going a little crazy today. It's a Monday, but you know, it is what it is. You got that that good good spare time, college student spare time going on. <laughs> There's no such thing as that as a grad student. So you mean to tell me that you weren't admired all day reading folks' uh, online reactions to the league, the Super League? Yeah, I think it's uh, the the European Super League is a great investment opportunity. Uh, There's a lot of market cap with those 12 European teams and uh, a lot of potential for growth. Yeah. All right. So like, what's the stock ticker, you think? (laughs) Oh, ooh. Super League, SPLG. (laughs) (laughs) Or just Liga, L-I-G-A. It could be one of those fancy five ones, like a mutual fund. (laughs) That's not what people came for. (laughs) That's true. Uh, stock tips with uh, Nico Mendez. Uh, all kidding aside, uh, what were y'all's? What, what do y'all think about this? What What is the Super League? Let's Let's start there, uh, so that folks understand what we're talking about. And then, like, what were your initial reactions, Jonathan? Um, well, just I guess to step back for people who aren't familiar with European soccer. So in, in Europe, unlike uh, the U.S., where we've got basically one tier one league. Um, for all of our major sports, soccer in, in, in Europe, we've got, there's domestic leagues for each, each country. And then there's a, a championship league that the, you know, the champions from the different leagues get promoted to each year. And then, you know, they compete and, and uh, win, a, win a trophy, right? So it's, a, it's more of a cup, like a big cup. It, it is, it is, it is a cup, but it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a, in, within those cups and within the different domestic leagues, there's a lot of high profile. Oh no, I was talking about the actual trophy. It looks like a cup. Yes, it, it does actually look like a cup. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's, I mean, the the environment in in Europe is much different than it is in the U.S., where they you know they do pro rail and there's you know domestic plus the champions uh, leagues and uh, what they're talking about, what kind of Twitter's interrupt or uh, erupted over the last couple of days was just about this new super league, which would be kind of 12 teams that not necessarily the 12 best teams, but 12 teams that have um, a large following uh, looking to, to create a league that would be, you know, would, would always be their own. So it'd be kind of uh, 12 teams that, you know, every year, no matter how bad you are, if you're the bottom of the league, you're still there the, the, the next year. Right. And I mean, in the, in the end, it's, it's, it's a money play. Um, makes sense right the the owners are trying to get as much of the cut of you know tv rights and other other things as they can and so uh some of the more high profile uh teams are getting together and saying hey why don't we just have our own little league uh which you know kind of goes in the face of the traditions in europe so everybody's freaking out and that's 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 kind of that's that's kind of the gist and so you you see even the uh the local organization there, the the the, the confederacy within uh, Europe, you know, part of the FIFA organization, come out and say things like, "Hey, uh, any players who play for the Super League will not be able to play for their uh, for their cl- or their country team, right?" 
Um, so there's been, honestly, it seems like a bit of overreaction, uh, lots of overreaction on, on Twitter, social media, other places. We'll see. But is it overreaction, Jonathan? Is it? Well, I think the only, to, <laughs> so to me, as, as somebody who is definitely interested in world cup and national and national teams, the only way this becomes a, a really significant issue for myself would be if FIFA really did come down and say, Hey, people who play for this league, right. Who are probably going to get compensated better than any other, any other player, just based on the the money that's going to be coming to that league, aren't able to play within their national teams. Right. That would be, that would be a, a huge impact, but I don't, I doubt yeah. it's going to go that far. Right. That, that feels like an empty threat. Yeah. I'll be, it'll be interesting to see how far this actually goes. I know they've talked about it for quite a while. Um, there's a lot of complications, a lot of blowback, um, but we'll see. Um, so speaking of cups uh, and and tournaments that uh, that are outside of the league, the uh, U.S. Open Cup had some news. Uh, I think they came out, didn't they? they? They outright canceled the Open Cup. I know that they had talked about prior to the match. Then we kind of talked about it as our in our um, Colorado preview of the first three match matches of the season kind of going towards the top, I guess, finding the top eight teams in MLS and having those teams play for the U S open cup uh, title. But since then, I think the day, either the day before or the day of uh, the op- opening day, the U S open cup has come out and canceled it. Are we, are we sad Nico? Um, before we moving on to that cup, I will say that it does continue the super league talk and the investment bit. Uh, it does seem like JP Morgan and Chase is actually financing that. So uh, their stock is down after hours for those interested, ticker JPM. But the other thing I would really like to see is um, I want to see those teams give MLS and CONCACAF those discovery rights. I mean, copying off of um, <laughs> a, a defunct league that uh, we previously used to have. But um, in terms of the U.S. Open Cup, <laughs> it is a little unfortunate. I, I know that a lot of people were kind of upset to see the the longstanding run that the U.S. Open Cup had uh, to die because of the pandemic and then some little confusion, some hope that it come back in 2021. Little, a little uh, discontent. That's probably a good word. Discontent uh, with the new format that was going to happen in 2021. But um, I... I as when we were talking with Steve Davis last week, I was a little bit interested just to see how teams would do these first three games. Um, how intense would they take it in terms of uh, qualifying for the U.S. Open Cup? That was something that I had asked uh, Lucci in the previous um, in his pre-match press conference. But um, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate to see it. But I, I do think for the health and safety, not only just for the MLS, but also for um, the championship and League One teams as well until they until u.s soccer kind of gets a better idea of what's happening with the pandemic i i think it's purely a business decision so even even in their statement they never said i mean it was a logistical and financial decision is what they said right so it was i mean all all these teams are playing anyways right i think that they could have found a way um to keep the team safe while traveling right a lot of teams are like FC Dallas recently getting vaccinated. I think uh, Dan Hunt said, you know, 90% of the players are either vaccinated or already have uh, antibodies. I would not be surprised a lot of lower league teams are in a similar, similar space. It honestly, I think it's just us soccer trying to save some cash. Um, they're, they're not able to make some of the money this year that they normally would off of all those friendlies, right. Where they fill this, fill the stands. And I think this is honestly just a, 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 a budget savings activity by us soccer to, to cut the cup for the year. And it's the U S soccer federation that, that runs that tournament, right? Correct. Yeah. It's not some independent. No, it is, it is, it is, it is U S soccer. And I remember, cause when they had the, they were the ones who, when FC Dallas was, uh, had, had the final in 2016, I remember it was U S soccer that actually came in and gave away the tickets, right? Cause FC Dallas didn't have the allocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, chalk that up to another one of the interesting decision made by decisions made by the, the U S soccer federation. Now, to me, the most interesting thing, though, now now that we know that it's not happening, right? They did say something like, "Hey, we'll look at potentially doing it later in the year," but it's going to be even more compact later in the year. It seems 
super yeah. unlikely. Hard to that, get in on the MLS schedule after July, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. So the, the interesting thing to me is, and I've got some thoughts, but I'll, I'll be curious to see what, if either of you guys have an opinion. So there's now an, an extra spot for CCL qualification, right? So the Open Cup winner is obviously not it. Where, where would you guys put that extra berth? Any thoughts? Any ideas? Well, why not just isn't that isn't that spot like permanently belong to Atlanta? I oh, the, the works, extra right? spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully not. Oh. No, well, yeah. Give it I mean, to Austin, right? They're the new kids. So, so my thought is, I mean, this so this year with, I mean, if you look at the schedule uh, and how the East and West are very, I mean the West coast teams or Western conference teams only play two East coast teams in the whole year. Right. So I feel like this might be a good opportunity to have, you know, uh, the, well, I'm not going to call it supporter shield, but the regular season winner from the East and the regular season winner from the West to be the two qualifiers. I think it'd be, be an interesting opportunity this year. Just, just knowing how different and unbalanced the schedules are. Yeah. I don't think that's a terrible shout. Nico. Yeah, that works. He's in. We're in. Okay, settled. There <laughs> you go. All right. Uh, I will call, let Don know. Yeah, I'll call the Federation and uh, we'll, or, or whoever is in charge of that. I don't know. Like, is it Don? Soccer Don? Sure, why not? All right. Actually, just, we'll just for yeah, this. Him or one of his of, brothers uh, or somebody. I was just going to say, just for the sake of, um, to be, to throw a little chaos, I'd say whoever wins USL championship. You're going to be contrarian? Yeah. Oh, so USL Championship is a, you know. Ooh, USL Championship, League One, and then League Two have those three do some sort of weird playoff. That would be kind of cool. That would be very CONCACAF. Yes. I love it. I love it. So we'll we've got two proposals to take to Mr. Garber, and I'm sure he'll be on board with at least one of them. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Let's switch gears and uh, soccer's back in in Frisco. Uh, I I'm excited. Um, Colorado came to town and for opening day weekend they brought with them Kellen Acosta and and Michael Barrios and and uh, tried to tried to ruin FC Dallas's 11 game unbeaten streak on opening day and did not succeed. Uh, kind of a little bit of a, a snooze festival, I would say, in the second half was, you know, teams kind of, or Colorado shut it down. But it was, a, it was an interesting match. Jonathan, you want to walk us through how you saw that match? Um, well, before before we even get into the actual stadium, right? So there's, oh, I mean, it, so it, from the very beginning, from the from the very beginning. So 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 first of all, I mean, there was a a couple of changes for for this match. Uh, one for those who could not make the match, um, and there are people like myself who have YouTube TV or some other streaming service. The FC Dallas local broadcast was actually still covered. So uh, it seems like they figured out whatever it was from a, from a local TV broadcast rights um, to fix that. So that was a big issue. I don't know if you guys remember the last two years. Yeah. People, yeah. So that's, that's, that's a nice piece of piece of positive news. Oh man. I don't have my soundboard hooked up where I'd make a happy noise with the soundboard. <laughs> um, and then we also saw the introduction of the, the supporters groups sitting on the South side with their, uh, I'm not going to get, get into the, the, the bike racks and everything, but, um, the, uh, you know, it was the, the safe standing, the introduction, we know that, uh, that it's a temporary setup right now as FC Dallas is working with some sort of a third party contractor to get, uh, the permanent setup, but it was, uh, for, from my perspective in the stadium, uh, I liked it. I thought that having the supporters groups in the South, that kind of got a little bit of a, a roof over them. It, felt like it was a little bit louder, like that was better acoustically um, with where they were at. Yeah, well, you sit on the east side, right? Oh, I sit you, on the you, east side. Yep, I'm you, on the east side. Okay, so then you didn't – I mean, so they're they're facing you with their trumpets and, and horns and stuff. Yes. So I'm directly in the middle between the where the beer garden was and then kind of the south side. So. And, Nico, you're, you watched on TV, right? I did. So how did, how did it sound on TV? Um. I think with, I could be totally wrong, not in TV industry or anything, but I feel like, um, to me, it's not a little bit the same. 
maybe it's just a confirmation bias. It sounded better just because the echoing and the acoustics and all that. But I also feel like that's some uh, mixing that they do up in the studio. But it it was it was nice. I think the, the I, ambient the ambient mics. There you go. If I to be nitpicky, um, maybe it would have been kind of cool to see them on TV though, because that's something when you do see when they were in the beer garden, you did get to see them on TV, and now yeah. in that little corner, it's a little bit difficult. I wonder if they decided not to show them because of, you know, bike racks. Who knows? And they, uh, yeah, I know at least before the, before kickoff, I watched a little bit of the, of the pregame after the game. Um, so it's so yesterday. I, I just kind of watched a little bit of just to listen to, to Steve and Mark talk about the game. Uh, and they did have, you know, cameras on at, at least at that point uh, on the, the, the beer garden, showing some of the people show up and cheer and that kind of stuff before the, before the game started. Um, but what's what's interesting is Nico kind of mentioned that it seemed almost normal, and in many ways it did. So the the official attendance was eighty six hundred. Uh, felt like a FC Dallas game, maybe a little bit lower attendance wise, right? Felt like you know a, a Wednesday evening kind of mid season game with you know, you know reported twelve thousand, actually yeah. eight thousand butts in the seats. Um, so it was it, it was from, it was nice. from where I sat. It looked like it was an actual sellouts or like actual COVID sellout, sellout, right? Not just a reported sellout there. It did look like it was about as full as they're going to let it get. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, the, the only thing as a, as a, as a season ticket member uh, that was a little bit disappointing uh, was that they, the, the no season ticket member gates. So for this first, for this first uh, part of the season, which was, you know, meant for, yeah, took me an extra oh, you, twenty minutes. You have to go in the rabble rousers and the. the what rubbers. was interesting is I think that there was a lot of people who probably didn't know there was a, there was a lot of of gates that were just not open, um, so it wasn't just that there was no season season ticket member gates. Um, they staffed uh, a, a much lower number of people to let fans in. So the uh, I would I would guess that the average wait was probably 25, 30 minutes outside of the stadium, which isn't great if you're trying to get butts and seats for for. Uh, for match tip off or kickoff. Yeah, no, I learned that on the preseason match. I just hoped it would have gotten better, but well, uh, eventually the ball did uh, get kicked off and teams did play some, some football. Um, so Jonathan, you want to take us to your Nico, how about you take us through the, the match and, and kind of like give us some, some highlights. Yeah. The I feel like, First half definitely was the, um, I guess, interesting aspect of it. Part of it just because, hey, MLS is back, FC Dallas is back. Um, definitely saw both teams kind of going at it, but also really feeling out each other. And then the second half, uh, kind of a little of a drop-off. Um, and I would say really the biggest highlights is from the goalkeepers that both, both sides had really great saves. Uh, Jimmy Maurer, I think, was the FC Dallas side uh, man of the match. Um, uh, it didn't look like he he was in any sort of preseason form. Just kicked, continued right where he left off, which is, which is something you really want from your goalkeeper. And I think Dallas, in general, has been very fortunate to have good goalkeeping uh, throughout their time. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of it really. I I think the um, Steve and Mark did a really good job of it. It's, I had a very first first game uh, kind of flow to it. It's nothing really exciting, nothing really that bad. It was just kind of um, soccer was played. Yeah, FC Dallas came out real uh, real dynamic in the first half. They would put the pressure on um, real early and and got uh, lots of shots, some some Vargas action going in, uh, doing some of his dribbling. Um, Nelson was getting forward. And, you know, the, um, you know, it, it looked like there was going to be some pressure, a lot of action in that first half. But I think, you, like you said, that second half just, I it seemed to be a combination of FC Dallas coming out a little flat and Colorado, um, the way Lucci put it is they became, they got more compact uh, in that second half, which means that there's less space. And so some of that, athleticism, dynamism, dynamism, dynamosity. Uh, some of the, the the bursts that you could see from the players just wasn't, they weren't able to get into those spaces. But, um, you know, with with this, with, you know, the whole new season, the, this was the, the, the first time, 
first rollout of the uh, three in the back formation, the three, four, I guess, I think on the broadcast, they called it three, four, two, one. Um, what, what was your impression of that formation, Jonathan? I think you you predicted it before the, the match. Yeah, I, use I, it, right? I, well, I mean, it was really in, interesting enough. Lucci even said, uh, I think it was right after the match that really that was a that was a personnel decision, right? That he had some specific personnel he wanted to have on the field, and that he thought that the three four three gave him the best option to have his best players on. Which, if you think about it, that basically means probably Brisson over Edwin. Right. Because that's that's really what the difference. If you look at the personnel packages that you would expect, if it was four, three, three. That's that's your main your main difference. Yep. May, maybe you would see some other changes, but that's that's unlikely. Um, I mean, first, I just, I just I mean, take a step back and think about, you know, like what what Steve mentioned when he was on last week is Colorado is going to be tough. Right. So Colorado um, brought back the most uh, the most players from last year. So 95 percent of the minutes that were played. Uh, for the Rapids last year, uh, came back this year. That's that's a pretty significant um, bulk of your of your playing or playing minutes coming back and playing for the team uh, versus FC Dallas, who is coming in new formation, new players. It, it's we knew it was gonna we knew it was gonna be tough. Um, there were some some nice things, some not so nice things. So if, so if you think about the formation, which is what you asked, I. I did not like the play from, I mean, I, I expected it was to unlock the outside backs. I think Nelson did better than expected because I think we're used to Johnny sitting back. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, that he had a good game. He had an okay game. Um, and Ryan had a, to, in my, my perspective, had a, a, a disappointing game. I think that he had, you know, other than uh, he had an opportunity like early on with a, uh, uh, I think it was Ricarte uh, set it up for him uh, ahead up for him, and he hit it directly into one of the defenders. Um, but the if you look at the heat map, uh, neither one of the 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 wingers really got forward that much, and a lot of the play in that in that formation was over the top and direct, and it was not it wasn't it, to me it wasn't pretty. It was it was not Lucci ball. It was not possession baseball. It was uh kick it kick it long from uh uh Brisson or from uh, uh Martinez and then let one of those top three guys who were fun to watch make a make a run but that's yeah I don't, I don't think it was effective yeah well I think I think that's kind of what you're gonna get if if you've got Colorado putting the pressure on right and those center backs collecting the ball and then not having an outlet because the wingers are either, uh, you know, further up the field than they normally would be. And so there's, they can't connect with the outside folks, but then there's only two folks in the middle with Acosta and, um, and Ricarte. And so it's just hard to work the ball out of the back in that situation. And so what's your only, what's your option, right? It's to do that. It's to, it's to kind of just, get it over that, that first line of Colorado uh, pressure and get it, just get that release valve. If, if I can jump in really quick, I think nope, sorry. one of the, all right, then all right. I've, I've used up all my speaking minutes for today, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, you're talking about how Colorado put pressure and pressed FC Dallas and kind of, um, I think we we've seen it last year where, um, and it's kind of remnant of the, uh, Oscar Pareja uh, days is where play out the ball through the back, work it through the the um, your fullbacks, and have some sort of combination with your wingers and interior players. Um, something that kind of really stuck out to me, and you mentioned how um, I, I guess you could say that Freddie and Hader um, Obriand looked a little bit lost, um, especially in the second half. I noticed it a lot yeah. in the second half, um, and I kind of think one of the issues or maybe not an issue, but something that really stuck out to me was um, FC Dallas kind of really went back to their old habits, mm-hmm. um, meaning it's just play through the wing and then cycle out. And something that I've talked about and we've talked about on the podcast already uh, through preseason, and something that's really impressed me is how FC Dallas really uh, throughout this preseason kind of focused on playing the ball through the center, trying to get it into on top of the box and then to help create, create opportunities. Uh, opportunities 
And that's something that Javier and Freddie both worked really well in cutting inside to help also bring the ball back interior. So what I don't think helped them in that regard is that the majority of the team already is already familiar with, hey, play down the flanks and then cross in. While Freddie and Javier are both familiar from this preseason is I'm going to get the ball and then try to make some sort of interior combination. And when you look at the passing chart, unfortunately, MLS took away the actual boxes and lines passing. Which yeah, the chalkboard's gone. Yeah, the chalkboards. But I had to go to whoscored.com. And when you look at the passing, they only have dots. Um, you see that hole pop up again, right up on top of the Zone penalty 14. box, which is something that FC Dallas had a little issue uh, with last year. So it kind of didn't help that with the majority of the team resorting back to their old older habits, and their newer key players on the wings don't really aren't haven't gone through a full season playing that way. Um, and it also just doesn't help that you have Andres and uh, Acosta being your only two midfielders and their kind of jobs is to really play off of each other. So they're both really key on uh, shielding that back line on the defense, but you also didn't see them progress too, too quickly uh, up the field to help provide that support that Freddie and, um, and uh, Obrion were kind of looking for. That was something that really stuck out to me. And I, it really evident in that second half, which I kind of felt like dried up the match a little bit. Yeah, I think another part, like I think you're you're right. Um, I think one of the things that was an issue, and we, you know, it's it's kind of been systemic, and like you said earlier, they fell back to old habits. Uh, Andres Ricarte, he he, in all throughout preseason, he did a pretty good job of staying up the field. And not dropping too deep, and in this match, I felt like he was he he felt the need to get involved and like the the want to try to take hold of the match whenever things started to slow down. But that drew him back to get the ball more, and then he didn't get the ball, or it was just like a it, he got it and wasn't able to like didn't have anything to do with it. And then, um, and then there was nobody up farther to help connect, uh, you know, the the rest of the 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 team up the field so um I, I i would hope that when he came off he got a little bit of a talking to about that whenever he got brought off um we, we'll we'll get into to him coming off here in a little bit um, just to go off really quickly i think just from the games we were able to watch in preseason correct me if i'm wrong but whenever he was playing he also had two additional midfielders so it kind of eases some of those defensive responsibilities um versus kind of in that two midfielder system. And the thing with Lucci is it, I know people probably get excited with the ooh, five man back line or three man back line, but Lucci's really big on player roles. So I feel like with the personnel that were out there, I wonder if some of his responsibilities did have to change a little bit just as a result of that and why you kind of saw him drop back a little bit. Yeah, I think it's probably part of that, but it's also, I mean, they did play the three man back line against Houston in that final La Copita match. La, La, La Copita, the final La Copita match. Um, and, um, and I don't re remember, I, I didn't catch the second half, but like, I don't remember seeing that in the first half. And then, um, well, I had a second point, but I just forgot it whenever I was trying to say a La Copita. Um, so just pretend like I had a real I, good point. I think your real point good. was that the, the fact that Ricarte was not able to get on the ball and really prove kind of the kind of kind of drive the match is I think that's one of the biggest impacts of this of this formational change is that yes. Ricarte is just yeah yeah and, and it also had to do with like the caliber 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 of play um in preseason versus now we are like full-on MLS uh and so you know he the the need for him to kind of pull up and actually you know drive a little bit more is, is there and he felt it, I think. Yeah. But so, so from my perspective, so yes, Ricarte, they've got to get more involved, but um, there's a lot of new pieces up at the front. Right. So I, I'm not going to overreact. It was, it, it, yeah, I think we, we would all hope that uh, FC Dallas would win. We knew it was going to be a tough match. They've got some things that they need to work out. I think that, you know, when you look at um, uh, Hara Vargas, uh, Harder up at the top, all individually had pretty good games. They just, it just wasn't cohesive, right? You saw little bits and bits and pieces, and it makes you kind of excited as a FC Dallas fan for the potential. Um, but I mean, it's 
we 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 all talked about the fact that yeah, you know, I think we we I think we all agreed that this was going to be a late blooming season for the FC Dallas because of so many new pieces. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overreact about uh the lack of offense. Well, let's, let's, let's give these guys a, a few weeks. Let's see what adjustments can be made. Uh, I, Jonathan, you must be new to soccer. No, I mean, we are supposed to overreact. Yes. That's what we yes. do. Now. I mean, I do. So what's, what, what is interesting though, is if you go and look at some of the games last year where uh, Lucci started the three man back line uh, and made some adjustments in the second half, I was almost expecting he would do the same thing, which would have been something like, Move Ryan to the left, go back to a four-man back line and take uh take Johnny out for Tessman or Bersan out or something like that, right? Um and make some make some adjustments because it was it was uh, they, they did put a lot of shots on goal, um, but it, it did feel like uh Lucci needed to make some adjustments. It was pretty obvious by the 60th minute, you know, when Paxton came in or whatever, that there needed to be something else. And it wasn't, I mean, Paxton 100 percent maybe he's gonna make a difference. Paxton at 80% or whatever he's at right now. Um, he wasn't going to change the the entire tide of the game. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to come back to Paxson, but um, like to your point, it did feel like the game was calling out for, for some freshness and some, some changes and adjustments that didn't really come. I think they only, they only made two, two of their available subs. Two subs. And they yes. took off Ricarte for Paxton. And then, um, Hara came off for Pepe. Yep. Uh, and so, that was it. So, so oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was going to say just, uh, so yeah, a friend of the show, Dan Crook did ask Lucci about that after the match, um, regarding kind of the two substitutions. Do you feel like that he just didn't have the personnel or was, uh, just something different and Lucci kind of, um, I could also be misquoting him. So, but it, I, the, the, the takeaway I got from Lucci was just that he felt like he had a system. Um, that he kind of believed that could still work at the time. But um, I think uh, we all are know what we want to say, but we're not coaches, so it's not easy for us to say. But um, I, we're right, kind like, of beating a dead horse at the same time. We're but, not going to lose it. It, it was something that was brought up, over. and I think yeah. Lucci did feel comfortable with the tactics and the system he did have set up for this game. Yeah, and I, I think I think what we're saying is not that he didn't get it right. It's just that... Um, there, like, it, it was not that it wasn't, it's not that it was wrong. It's just that at some point it needed to be writer. Uh, and so like, we, we would have liked to have seen a little bit of, of tweaking and, uh, or, uh, injection of, of something to, to kind of push, push them over, over that edge. Right. It's a home game, first game of the season, announced sellout crowd. Everyone's everyone's demanding. Yes. Plus, we, we got to put stuff out for Twitter and our articles and our podcasts. That's so. how we get clicks, Nico. <laughs> got to get them clicks. Just got to take these extreme takes. So, 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 guys, outside outside of Jimmy, who I think we would all agree had you know a, a, an, an excellent game, right? Kept kept FC Dallas in the match. Is there anybody else? that uh, popped up that you say, Hey, this, uh, this person had a really, uh, really great game. Maybe you, Dustin. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's an easy one for me. That's Jose Martinez. Um, no, Nico, I, I see a shake you, of the no, head. You took mine. You took oh, mine. yes. Ha ha. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that guy, um, he held the defense together. And I think that Maurer would have been on under even more pressure without him and his leadership on the match. You could kind of see him um, driving. You could hear him driving. I had the the press box window closed, uh, and I could still hear him shouting. So, uh, yeah, no, that guy, that guy was my. I, I think I had um, uh, Buzz Carrick on the FC Dallas Radio post game show, and he like he, he Jose Martinez was his man of the match over Jimmy. Um, I would say. Not for me, but I think that it was a close second. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can definitely see that. The and Nico's already said that you know that he, you, you, you stole his. I think the other, the other person, and I know that uh, all the FCD fans are gonna want to kill me, but I, I thought Acosta had a really good game too. So yeah, I, I mean, he did a great job of picking up the trash in the midfield, especially coming. Um, 
like he he had a lot of interceptions and yep. had a lot of um plays where he'd cause turnovers. Um I think he also kind of suffered a little bit from maybe the rust or just the the some just a little bit off in in his connection with the other players. I think that he um was was just not able to to uh, what's the word? Combine as yeah, much your- as I would have liked, but I'm listen. I've got these critiques, and I'm giving some some like some some criticism here. I, I fully understand it's the first game back. And yeah, if you look at if you look at his stats, I think he was he had one of the highest passing stats. I think it was like 85% passing success, around 90% pass reception, lots of pressures, like 15, 20, somewhere in there. I mean, it was he had he had a really good stat line. Um and, it, and I know it's just like a couple passes that really needed to happen that really stuck out in my mind as 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 the the, the what I'm talking about there. I don't know. Maybe it may maybe I also saw a different match. I don't know. <laughs> you were just what you were way up there at the in the press box. You just you just you, you can't really see what's happening. I was too busy pressing buttons. That's right. Um, but he was the other person when I, when I was just looking through um, to me, it was uh, Jimmy uh, Martinez and Acosta were probably the people that stood out to me as, as having the um, having, you know, really, really good matches. Uh, and then I think that, you know, there's, there's some others that had, you know, that, that looked okay. Yeah. Um, I did, I did, did say, I promised that we would come back to Paxton Pomacall. So let's, let's circle back and talk about Paxton. Um, he came back. I was super surprised to see him with the amount of, with the lack of playing time that he got in preseason to have him come on as the first sub in the opener was very surprising to me. I, I would agree. I mean, it was, uh, I, I think if we were to to take odds or bets, none of us would have, would have cooked uh, Paxson. Maybe would have had him before, you know, maybe Minjoma or Dante Seeley or somebody, but it's there, there was, there was, you know, three or four players I would have thought would have come in before Paxton. For sure. Um, I, and, and he did look like a player who was coming back from injury. He did look like a player who had not played a whole lot. Um, he didn't have the spark that you would expect from a Paxton Pomichol when he comes in, right? Like I think of last year's season opener against Philadelphia when he came in and, and, you know, he scored the, it was main, was it the great game winning goal? No, it was one of the goals uh, he scored and, you know, he, he looked, he looked like a completely different player than he looked like today. Or yeah, I guess it was Saturday night, like maybe 80%. Right. But I, <laughs> God bless him. Like he saw Jack Price, uh, you know, slobber knocking the, the 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 heck out of our players, and then the first thing he did was come in and just like get a real good cheap shot on Jack Price as a like, uh, hey, I'm here. You're gonna stop now. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was great. I, I you love to see a little uh, little poop housery as they say. So Nika, what what were your thoughts on uh, Mr. Paxton Pomacall? Uh, I think it's great that he finally got playtime again. I think uh, he's a player that a lot of people have been desperately wanting to see again. I mean, it's just unfortunate that he's been having these um, injury setbacks. But um, I, I guess it kind of just fits the the theme of the match, right? It's just it's the first game back. Uh, everyone's just trying to figure out everything, right? So um, I think you'd say good welcome, welcome back, Paxton. Um, it just... <sighs> I feel like I'm beating a dead horse did, again, but <laughs> did, did did you did you cringe every time somebody uh, took a shot at him? I got worried, honestly, because I'm, I'm very yeah. familiar, just like with hyperextending the, the hack of packs. Yep, yep. I'm like, yeah. ooh, ooh, ooh. But um, it, it's also kind of tough when he's being subbed for Andres, and then I guess his really his role is to start creating opportunities within the field. And I want to say his first touch was he tried to. Uh, do a soft, a uh, soft uh, capture, but it kind of rolled back a little bit. So, uh, what was great in that regard is you did see him want to go forward. He was already looking for these opportunities, so that's great. His mentality is there. His vision was there, which is awesome. Uh, this de- 
makes definitely what you want to see from your player. Um, it's going to create goals. His, his body's got to catch up to his mind now. Yeah, it's just kind of, I feel like some small mental hurdles. It's just, okay, how far can I really extend? Um, am I comfortable with actually taking on a guy or turning my hip into take a tackle? But um, I guess in the long term, because we are uh, in the long term, it, it's, uh, it was good, good for him. So sure. Speaking of the long term, uh-oh. Isn't there, isn't there another game coming up next weekend? There is. Before we get there, like I, I just want to overall, let's just do a, uh, a, a quick roundtable, all three of us, a lightning round. Were you happy with the performance of FC Dallas um, for this opening match? Are you happy with the A? So let's start with, were you happy with the performance, Jonathan? Of course not. No, you, you, want, you want three points from uh, the team at home opening day. Nigo? I would say no. I was kind of left frustrated in terms of the uh, tactics. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say no. Uh, but I think we all, like I said earlier, it's, it's the first game of the season. Um, and we can't expect them to have it all figured out, but doesn't mean we don't want them to, doesn't mean that we can't realize that there is more, there needs to be more, right? So, um, I think the yeah, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, no, I, go say, ahead. Th- I think the best way to sum it up is we're not happy because we know what the team is capable of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think it, we're also maybe a little bit of, of a victim of underestimating Colorado, even though we talked about them being good beforehand, like they came out and they were like, I, th- I we're just really lucky. The KFC Dallas is really lucky that, that Barrios still can't finish. I mean, uh, I think, I think I did not. Even though we talked about it, and even though I mentally said several times, Colorado's good. Uh, they still, I think, exceeded my expectations for what they were would actually bring. Jimmy did take a, a pretty well shot goal away from uh, from Mikey. So there was one curling ball that 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 he got to that um, I, I don't know if he would get to, get to uh, you know. Five times out of ten, so yeah, I think I mean, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next match for FC Dallas is in San Jose. They, they it's their first away game of the season, so that'll be interesting. Uh, it's Saturday at two thirty p.m. Saturday the twenty fourth. Um, so yeah, uh, MLS original it, versus MLS original. That's right. Yeah. Um, I guess San Jose last this weekend they they played Houston and lost two to two to one yeah two to one it's it's been kind of a roller coaster I would say of a ride for Matias Almeida uh, like it, he really struggles to keep that team going consistently so I think it could either be a game that FC Dallas can just like handle and do its business I mean we beat. Uh, Houston, <laughs> uh, pretty handedly, and so then shouldn't if Houston beat San Jose, shouldn't FC Dallas be able to? But then at the same time, uh, San Jose can have really good games, and they can have they have times where they just put it together, uh, and then FC Dallas could have a real tough time. What do you, what Nico? You uh, you have a little smirk on your face. What do you, I know? You're a Mateus Almeida uh, fanboy, so like, what are you thinking about going into this match? Yeah, I think he's a great manager, but not a GOS fan for those listening. Um, I think I don't mean to be like the Joseph Larry on here, not saying that I am. Uh, I need I need to calm down. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the tactical matchups, basically. I remember the first time Lucci and San Jose came. Um, I think one of the big things was just how Almeida was playing a that man marking system. And Luigi did mention in that post-match conference that, hey, it's great to go against that. It's something you don't see a lot. But I'm looking forward to the tactical side aspect of the game because um, it, those are two two tactical managers, two guys that put a lot of thought into their squads, not only just in terms of the long-term and how they, they want their team to play, but they take uh, each game each game really interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. So, so Nico, I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw you a question since since you brought up the tactics. So tactically, do you go to more of a if you're Lucci, do you go to more of a possession oriented approach for that game, knowing that you're gonna go against man marking? Uh, 
or do you go more similar to what you saw this last week where it's more of a direct play? Um, knowing Lucci, uh, he does like to think a lot regarding this. So I would kind of expect him to do pull one from the books and go old fashioned for a one, two, what is it? One, two, seven, a uh, very old style English formation, um, all attack, put a lot of pressure on San Jose's defense. <laughs> I feel like we're being trolled right now. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> no, I, I guess you can see. Um, you had you had me going until you, I thought about <laughs> what a one two seven would actually be, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I guess you can see FC Dallas kind of playing into their strength on that possession orientated uh, thing, and I guess you could see it work out because you got Andres who's always looking for those um, killer through passes, which we know he's capable of. But then you also saw FC Dallas last season kind of work on those long balls and bypassing multiple lines and it, and Matt Hedges, I would say, has really improved from last season uh, throughout the course of last season and into this season. You saw him do that as well. Um, and it does it always great that you have a guy like Jose Martinez in the back line with that great vision and the ability to play that pass into um, to bypass multiple lines. So uh, that's a good point, Jonathan. Nice. All right. So we will find out. Uh, I. I'm getting a signal from Jonathan. That, that, sorry, I was just I was uh, I was just appreciating your nice. Yeah, nice. All right. Well, <laughs> speaking of moving on, there's another team that's kicking off their season. Uh, another Dallas-based team who is somewhat affiliated with uh, FC Dallas, but they are their own unique brand. I think it's a North Texas soccer club. Nico, our resident NTSC expert. Uh, anything uh, Anything you want to point out for opening day on Saturday? Uh, year, th- year three, season three for the club and the league. Um, USL League One's actually already had a couple games, three games go on already. But, I mean, this coming weekend's kind of like their real where every team is going to play a game. Uh, I'm excited to see how North Texas in general will go throughout the long season. Um, they really bolstered up their roster in terms of the number of personnel. And I think what happened in 2020 where they were probably handicapped, it's not having the ability to move guys down from FC Dallas to play with the team. So it seems like this year with the uh, high number of players coming in, all exciting prospects, um, I'm, we said that last year, but we'll see how many actually end up turning out. Uh, it seems like they kind of want to be a little more dependent on their own roster. It, it makes sense. It's 2021. Don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic, but it also kind of helps FC Dallas find uh, talent as well. So this weekend, we taking on uh, David Beckham's own Fort Lauderdale, um, who they do have Matias Almeida, their DP that they had had to loan out to uh, Fort Lauderdale. So it'd be Almeida. interesting to see sorry uh pellegrini i was like i don't i don't <laughs> Matthias Pe- like... pellegrini my bad my bad <laughs> so i mean fc dallas fans can see a uh, miami dp play against uh their very own north texas sc this weekend in arlington and that's if i will say one thing um that stadium is amazing uh, aside from the fact that it's a historic baseball stadium but they did a really good job turning it into a soccer stadium as well. So uh, I would definitely highly recommend people to go out to Arlington and actually watch a game there. Sure. There's, there's, there's a lot of stories coming into North Texas, you know, with um, the involvement, like I guess the way that they're building their roster this season and and like how much will FC Dallas players be involved. Um, And I I was, uh, I was talking to our friend John Arnold on, uh, on, Saturday. And I guess one of the cool things about, you know, us being affiliated with a striker now is that we kind of get a little inside look there. And so uh, coming up this week, I believe Tuesday, um, he's going to, he has a, a profile piece coming up on Bernard, Bernard Camungo, who is the, so it should be out by the time you're listening to this. So um, it's, it's a really cool story about, uh, you know, the, the trialist from that went to the open tryout from Abilene. Um, and he's a, is a Tanzanian refugee or as, as we say in Oklahoma, uh, Tanzanian. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading that one. Uh, So keep, keep your eye out for that plug. 
Yeah. And that one obviously came through a really unusual channel um, by, uh, you know, coming from Abilene uh, High School as a, to a, an open tryout. What one, one, so that's, that's, a, that's, that is a very cool story. And then the, one other thing that I thought was interesting is uh, Dan Hunt was on with, uh, with media earlier last week or late last week um, talking, you know, about the, the build up to the season, but he brought up the fact that uh, over the the last couple of months with the, the move on of Reynolds, as well as some of the players um, getting time, like uh, Justin Shea, right. Uh, with, with Bayern or some of the, the players going on loan, that they're actually getting a significant increase of foreign players that are contacting the club for opportunities at NTSC, which is quite, quite interesting. Right. So, uh, so that's, you know, it was, is, is what, yeah, what, what, what he brought out. So we'll, we'll see if we continue to see some of these, you know, edge case, right. You're not going to, you're not going to see obviously a, a proven, you know, uh, uh, first team player come to, to, to North Texas. Right. But I think that you're going to see people potentially looking for, you know, maybe a second opportunity or have a unique situation um, that will, that will bring them to, to, you know, Dallas fourth area that we wouldn't see before. Right. So. It's a good sure. point you bring up. I mean, if uh, people did watch North Texas SC in their very first season, they would have known the uh, what a what a star Brian Reynolds was in the making. Um, and I'm glad you brought up that point. Uh, uh, it's not really necessarily what I was trying to hope when I was at when I asked Dan Hunt that question, but um, he did give a lot of good stuff. And uh, you actually just did a nice preview of a future piece that I'm working on that you oh. can possibly read at a thirddegree.net. There we go. Another plug. There you go. And in fact, they just acquired another player today. So you just have to keep a lookout. Maybe Nico will include that in his, uh, in his article, but North Texas signed yet another player on a transfer today. So gotcha. that was so, soccer show, just breaking all these uh, great articles coming up. That's, that's right. right. All right. So that, that game actually is at seven 30 on Saturday. Um, so you can, you can, you can actually take in both matches. Um Go watch the FC Dallas match 2.30 against uh, San Jose and then take in North Texas versus Inter-Miami too. All right. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. It has been, Dustin. Yes. All right. We're going to wrap it up for, for today. You can find us online as at Dallas Soccer Show on Twitter. You can find us uh, on the interwebs at dallassoccershow.com or our new home, thestrikertexas.com. For Jonathan Roz, Nico Mendez, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.